Well, amen. Thank you, Jesse and Laura. I appreciate that very much. Um, uh, welcome to the Wednesday night service. It's good to see this many people out on a rainy, cold night. Uh, but tomorrow is supposed to be sun again, so we're good again. Southern California never lasts long, but we're good there. Pastor was supposed to be speaking tonight, but I think most of you have heard um, Pastor is still out of the country. He's in the hospital. He actually has COVID and double pneumonia there. So I want to read just real quickly uh, an update that Joanna posted the, today on Facebook. But it says, um, thank you everyone for your prayers. Our dad is doing pretty good. The doctor said that his pneumonia isn't severe. The main issue is in the lower part of the lungs in the back. He said it's a good sign that he doesn't require any oxygen and they're giving him all the right medications. He has a pretty bad, pretty bad cough, but his oxygen is at a good level. He's been able to sit up and walk around some and is starting to be able to eat more. The doctor thinks he should be there another three days or so. That's in the hospital. He's in the hospital right now. And then it says, uh, we are n still not sure when he will be able to return back to the States. And then it just says, thank you for your continued prayer. So that's the latest update we have. Uh, he was due to fly back in on Tuesday. He would have been here Tuesday and then speaking tonight. Uh, but when they, you know, he tested, he wasn't feeling good, and then he got tested, and so uh, just pray for him. Uh, but I spoke to him Monday. Uh, he was in good spirits Monday, um, but uh, just has that cough hanging in there, and then, uh, but just continue to be lifting him up in prayer. And we'll do that in just a minute. We're going we're gonna to pray for him, and then a couple special prayer requests. Uh, some of you on the prayer chain saw Lisa Cuevas' mom, uh, Dell and Lisa Cuevas, come quite regular. They're, uh, they're in uh, the people that are in my Sunday school class, they're in our Sunday school class, but her mom uh, had, has cancer, it returned. Um, she had cancer before, it's returned. And uh, just pray for her mom. Uh, the cancer is actually in her bones now, so just pray for her. And um, specifically also for uh, salvation too as well. And then tomorrow, uh, some of you know Gina Winder, she uh, usually is here on Wednesday night, she works in our school. Her mom is having uh, cataract surgery tomorrow, and they're driving from Blythe out to here and then back. So just pray for traveling safety and pray for this, the eye surgery to go well uh, for her. And, uh, but we're going to bring those three up in prayer right now just before we start our uh, message tonight. So let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for our pastor. Lord, he means so much to us, and we, we just appreciate having him here and speaking to us. And Lord, we pray for his health right now. I pray, Lord, that he would, uh, we thank you for the good report that uh, he hasn't had to be on oxygen and that his oxygen levels are good. I pray, Lord, you continue to heal him and help, him, help it to go just as the doctors think it will, which is in a good way. And we pray for him to get out of the hospital soon. And then we pray also that he'll be able to get well so he can fly back and be with us here in uh, Banning. And Lord, I, we just lift him up in prayer now and his family. And then, Lord, I pray for Lisa Cuevas, for her mom. Lord, I pray for the cancer treatment. I know she's going to an appointment here uh, soon this month, another appointment. I pray you'd be with the doctors, give them wisdom on how to treat it. And we do pray for her salvation as well. I pray for uh, Gina Winder's mom, Lord, for the cataract surgery tomorrow. I pray you give them safety from Blythe and then back again, and then help the surgery to go just right for her mom so she can see. As we look into the Word of God tonight, Lord, help us to uh, focus on you. And, and Lord, just uh, pray that you would guide my words, help me to speak clearly. And Lord, help me to only say the things you want said. And Lord, just encourage our hearts tonight from the Word. And we just give you the praise in all things. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for your love towards us. And again, your grace and your mercy towards us. And uh, just be with us now tonight. 
In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, well, I liked both of those songs. We're actually going to, the stuff that we sang about just a few minutes ago is in this particular message tonight. So turn to the book of Psalms, and it's um, Psalms 116. Psalm 116 tonight. And I just titled this a psalm of praise. There, there, of course, there's many psalms of praises in the, in the Bible. Um, this one, I don't, I don't know who the author is. It's uh, not mentioned in my notes in my Bible. But whoever the person was, they went through a very, very deep trial in their life. And, uh, and um, it doesn't even go in completely to what the trial is. But it, it, we're going to look at three things tonight. We're going to look at um, we're going to look at the distress the person's in. Then we're in the middle. We're going to look at their deliverance, and then lastly, we're going to look at their devotion uh, to God and just being, um, you know, again talking about singing praise unto God and being thankful for what God does and being thankful that He's there during the trials of our life. And so let's uh, get into it tonight on uh, Psalm one sixteen. And we're going to look under distress here. Point number one is distress. And then we'll go right into uh, verse number one here. It says, I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. I'm going to stop there just for a second. I'm just going to go verse by verse here. But the, whoever writes this says they love the Lord. But look, they put, a, they put a condition on it. They say, because he hath heard my voice and my supplications, which would be their prayers or their requests, do you realize that a lot of times we put stipulations on God's love, but God doesn't do that to us? He loves us no matter what, regardless of our sin nature. He loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus Christ to the cross for us. But see, the writer's saying a good thing, that they love the Lord, and, but, but we should, you know, as, as human beings, it's hard for us to love God unconditionally because of, the way we are and being in these earthly mortal bodies and not yet having our glorified body up in heaven. Uh, and, and with that glorified body, I personally believe a glorified mind. Um, you know, God's going to reveal all to us, really. And uh, I think that we'll have, uh, that way we'll be able to love him perfectly, if I could say it that way, because that's the way he loves us. And um, I don't know about you, but I love the fact that God loves me even though he knows everything about me. See, you guys know some things about me. My wife knows a lot of things about me. <laughs> but, you know, God knows everything about me, and he still loves me and wants to reconcile me and wants me to be reconciled to God and have a home in heaven. And, and, he, and it's not just special for me. He loves you that way, and he loves everybody in the world that way, regardless of uh, their, their, their sin. And so let's look at uh, verse 2 now. It says, uh, the writer goes on to say, because again, he says, because he, because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. See, the second part there in verse 2 is, aren't you glad God listens when you talk to him? You know, when you talk to somebody, you could tell if they're listening or not. You know, there, I used to think a person was not listening to me if they didn't make eye contact. You know, if they were doing other things and they weren't. But I've found that... Just because somebody's looking at you doesn't mean they're paying attention. And many times if they're not looking at you, they are paying attention. But see, I used to always think, well, if they're not making eye contact, they're not listening. But the truth is, the writer here says, God hath, has inclined his ear unto me. That means he's actually actively listening. And then 
Um, Therefore, the writer says, I will call upon him as long as I live. Why is he going to call upon him? Because God listens. See, 24-7, God's not sleeping. God's not going to miss your, uh, you know, he's not going to miss your prayer. There's 7 billion people on the planet, but God cares about every one of them. He knows them by name. He created every one of them, regardless of whether they acknowledge it or not. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that God listens to us. And uh, sometimes, just like when we babble on to a friend, sometimes we babble on to God, <laughs> and, and, but he still listens to us, and he still cares. And um, because he can be, because he is omnipresent, and he can be everywhere at once. See, you and I can only be in one place at a time. But God can be everywhere at once, so he's with us all the time, and he can hear us all the time. There's no gap. You've never been somewhere in your, your cell phone, there's no service? And you're, you're really frustrated. If any of you have been to Camp Ironwood, uh, your service, you've got to be on the tallest spot in the camp to get your phone to service. I don't know if they've improved that, but last time I was there, you're trying to get service, you know. Uh, going through the Badlands there on the 60, a lot of times your phone service cuts out just through those little mountains there, you know. Or if you go up, you know, you go up the mountains to somewhere, that happens. But with God, we're never going to look, for, we don't have to look for a good connection. It's there. Uh, we could talk to him all the time. So the first two verses... The, the, the writer's just talking about that he loves the Lord and that God hears him. Then let's uh, jump into verse 3. He starts to talk about his distress that he had and that God's going to bring him out of. In verse 3 it says, The sorrows of death compassed me, and the pains of hell got hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then verse 4 says, Then called I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. And, um, you know, you don't have to read verse 3 too many times to realize the importance of what this person was going through. The sorrows of death compassed me. That could mean that physically they were close to death, or it could mean that it was just extremely spiritually and emotional that it felt like death. You know, it could be either one. And then it says, the pains of hell got hold on me. I found trouble and sorrow. I don't, I don't care how old you are in this room or who you are, You've had trouble and sorrow at times in your life, right? Hopefully it's not right now. But many times in my life I've found trouble and sorrow. Or let's reverse that. It's found me sometimes, you know, trouble and sorrow. But because you're here today, think about it. Uh, I've heard different uh, pastors say this before. You've made it through every trial in your life, even even the ones you didn't think you were going to make it through. To this point, as of right now, here tonight, you have made it through every trial God's put you through. And when you were in those trials, if you're like me, some of you thought, I'm never going to get out of this trial. God, you know, how is it ever going to, you know, how am I ever going to make it till tomorrow or the day through the day? You know, and so uh, the first four, four verses, we're just looking at the distress of the writer. You know, the writer is just there bearing their soul. I mean, that's what's so great about Psalms. Most of you know they were songs to sing in the congregation when they sang together. And of course, many of them were written by David. Um, but there's other authors in there too. And, you know, imagine singing this. You know, imagine singing verse 3. I'm not going to sing it for you tonight because you'll be out of the building. You'll be like, don't sing, Theo, don't sing. Uh, But, you know, that's the distress of it. Let's go ahead and look into the deliverance. That's point number two here. And we'll start in verse 5. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I'm in a trial, I want to be delivered from it. You know, and usually right away, you know. You want it right now, but God sometimes lets it go a time because it'll draw you close, you and I closer to him. And you know what? 
nothing, nothing is better. God said, my grace is sufficient for you. Nothing is better than no earthly solution can solve it. Only God can do it. When you get to that point, you think you're hopeless, but it's, you're really in the best possible place you can be, is to rely on God to, uh, to, rely on God to deliver you. And this, this person, based on what I read in verse 3, that's where that person was at. They're at the lowest of lows. But in verse 5 it says, Gracious is the Lord, and righteous, yea, our God is merciful. See, he already said three praises about God. He said God's gracious, he's righteous, and he's merciful. Uh, gracious means he just extends grace towards us. See, if we all got what we deserved, we'd go to hell for eternity with no hope of heaven. See, we, 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 don't, we don't look at it that way sometimes after we've been saved a while, but really, that's what we deserve based on our sin debt. But thankfully for us, God's paid for that sin debt and provided a home for us in heaven, so we don't have to be perfect to go to heaven, and we're not perfect. And so our sin's not going to keep us out of heaven as long as we've trusted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. But the writer praises three things about God. He says gracious, then he says righteous. Righteous just means God is right all the time, whether people like it or not. What God says in his word is right all the time. His word is going to last forever. Uh, and so it's important. And then God is merciful. He shows us mercy. Grace and mercy are so closely related but God shows that on a daily basis to each one of us. Um, think about back, you know, most of us in this room now, you're disciplining children or grandchildren or whatever, or maybe if you work here at the school, you're disciplining kids. But you just take yourself back to when you were a kid and you were getting disciplined for any reason. What did you want? Grace and mercy. <laughs> what do we want as adults? Grace and mercy. The policeman pulls us over. I want grace and mercy. I mess up on my taxes. I want grace and mercy. I don't want big fines and penalties. But, you know, um, God gives us that grace and mercy, and that's, that's just awesome uh, in that. So the, the writer praises three things there in verse 5. Then in verse 6, the writer says, The Lord preserveth the simple. I like that. You know why? I'm a simple person. <laughs> you, you don't, I have a simple mind. I'm, I'm not, you know, my, my son teaches pre-calculus. I, I couldn't even begin to teach pre-calculus. You know, I have a simple mind when it comes to most things, but that's why I like the Word of God. God just lays it out, plain and simple, for us to understand. But he says, the Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low. You get that? In life, we go through these valleys. We're on the high. When we like it when we're up on high on the mountaintop, when everything's going well. Our relationship with God is good. Our relationship with others is good. We all like that. But the writer says here, I was brought low, and then look what it says. He helped me. Remember what I said? When you can get where there's no earthly solution and God can do it, you're in the best possible place you can be. But as human beings, we don't see it that way. We, why? We want to solve it ourselves. Are you like me? I don't even like to ask for help 90% of the time. Now, I've learned it around here because if I never ask for help around here, I'm doing everything myself. I don't want to do that. I'll take all the help I can get. You know? um, if they offer me help, I'm taking it. Uh, you know? And sometimes it's more work, right? When kids offer you help, sometimes it's more work to let them help. But eventually, if they help you enough times... They're, they got it, and they'll help you. I got a few students around here that always want to help me. They know, and they've helped me enough times, they know exactly how I want it done, and they do a great job at it. And it's a blessing to me, because they, they just want to jump in, they want to, they want to get it done, and that's exciting. And so, but it says here that God helped the writer here in verse 6. Then in verse 7, you're, if you liked verse 6, you're going to love verse 7. It says, 
Return unto thy rest, O my soul. See, whatever this writer was going through, God delivered them, he heard them, he helped them, and the rest was able to come back to his soul. Don't you like it when you have perfect rest? You can lay your head on your pillow and just go to sleep without a care. And I'm, I know most nights are like that for most of us, but there's always those nights when you're a parent, your kid has a fever in the middle of the night, or earache, or there's something wrong, and you're up, and you're not getting the sleep you need, and, but you know, and you're, you're just not getting it. But those nights when you get that perfect rest, and not just, not just physical rest, but emotional and spiritual rest as well. And it says here, Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. You know what bountifully means? It means just, he's just giving it away. It's not like he's skimping on, the, on that. If you, ask, if you ask my wife, I'm a skimper. If, I go, if, we go, if we go to the store and we're buying plates for a birthday party, I'm in my mind going, okay, how many people are coming? Okay, I want a couple extra, but I'm not buying six packs extra. You know, that costs too much money. So I'm like, I'm trying to get it exact, you know, just about exact so I don't have any waste. But God says he deals, it says here that God deals bountifully with us. But um, I like that, the start of verse 7 where it says, Return unto thy rest, O my soul. Uh, let's look at a couple verses here in Matthew chapter 11 here. And it's Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. The real familiar verses are going to be up on the screen here. It says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. And then what does it say there? I'll give you what? Rest. See, a lot of times we don't have rest because we don't come to him. And, and not necessarily a physical rest, but spiritual and emotional rest. We don't come to him. We don't get that rest. Then look at verse 29. Uh, it says here, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest in your souls. Unto your souls, I mean. Isn't that what we want in life? And we have that perfect peace that passes all understanding. A non-believer doesn't have that, but we can have that. Uh, anytime we don't feel at peace, it's not that we can't have it, it's that we're not looking to God to get it. And I'm, I believe me, I'm one of the first people that I'm talking to right here. Because many a times I've come, not necessarily to this altar, but kneeled in my house or whatever, and I prayed to God, asked him to take something, and as soon as I got up, I picked it up and took it back with me, the burden back with me. I didn't leave it with God. I picked it up and brought it back with me. Um, you know, I, have, I don't have a lot of OCD, but one of my OCDs is whether things are turned off or on or doors are locked or whatever. So there's about four people that work here that I trust to lock up the buildings without double-checking them. And I'm not going to name them because the four know who they are probably. But there's other people that if they lock up, I'm coming back and checking every door because I've been behind them before when they locked up and there's, there's doors unlocked all the way down the line. But you know, um, I, ha I, I have rest. My wife knows. We, we, she'll tease me sometimes. We'll, we'll lay down, we're just about to go to sleep, and she'll say, hey, did you lock both doors? Now, I may know in my head that I locked both doors, but as soon as she says that, my OCD triggers, and if I'm going to be able to go to sleep, I'm going to go turn the locks on, or put the locks on, I mean. Um, I did a really stupid thing back in October when we went, I, I didn't share this, I don't think, but I, uh, I'll share it now, I'll just confess my sin openly. We, we left the house to go to Arizona, and Right before we left, I washed the few dishes that were on the counter. We have these two cast iron pans. And we wash, I, when I wash them, when I dry them, I put them on the stove and I turn the flame on and it dries them. Well, I did that right before we left. I left Arizona. We were gone for, I think, all weekend, like three, four, three days. 
I come back in, I come in the house, and the, we have on our hood on our range automatically comes on when it's hot in there. So that's on, and I could hear this weird noise, and I'm going, what's going on? I left the burner on for three days, and thankfully, thankfully, it was a cast iron pan. Thankfully, it was a cast iron pan. In other words, it would have been, you know, something else would have melted, caught on fire. And I, I just looked at my wife, and I said, praise God our house didn't burn down. <laughs> you know, I just like, it's so, I've never done that before. Ever, I mean, I've made a lot of, I've forgotten to lock something or do something, but I was like, Oh my goodness, now we have this joke. Every time we leave the house, hey, you're not drying a pan, right? Did you turn it off? You know, but it's my OCD kicking in, you know. But it says here, we want to have perfect rest. We don't have that stuff bothering us. You know, some you lay down to go to sleep and you're mentally all of a sudden you're awake. You're physically exhausted, but mentally you're thinking about everything under the sun. And I and I actually have to when I when I use the restroom in the middle of the night, I actually have to say as I'm laying back down the bed, mind don't go to work, mind don't go to work. Because, <laughs> you know, I know if my mind starts thinking of something, I'm in trouble, you know, I'll be awake for a while. But, you know, um, that perfect rest we're looking for. And then in verse 29, he talks about you'll find rest in your souls. Then look at verse 30. Uh, Matthew eleven thirty 30 says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So see, what does that mean? In life, we have a lot of things weighing us down, right? But God says, hey, get on my, get on my track and the yoke's easy and the burden's light. Why? God's carrying the burden for us. It doesn't, and again, you get saved, we all know, if you're saved in this room, you know that you still have problems in life. They don't go away when you get saved. The sin nature doesn't go away. The pull of the flesh doesn't go away. You have all that still to deal with here until you go to heaven and you get your new glorified body, your new glorified mind. But God says it is possible to have perfect peace for our soul here on earth. Uh, we could do it as long as we stay focused on him and we stay uh, trusting him to, to, to fight our battles and to cover everything. Now, we have our due diligence. We have to do what's humanly possible. Uh, you know, like, I can't just say, okay, God, I'm going to bed tonight. Pay all my bills. Thank you. Good night. You know, God may choose to do that, have somebody pay my bill or something, but if I, don't, if I just do that, my lights are going to be turned off the next uh, week because I didn't pay my bill, you know. And so we're looking for that rest there in verse 7. But he says, return unto rest, O my soul. Why? God helped him. And the verse before it says God helped him. Uh, let's go on to verse 8. We'll go back to Psalm 116. And let's look at verse 8 here. It says, for thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. So did you catch all three there? He said God's delivered his soul from death. Now whether he's talking about his salvation or whether he's talking about how bad this trial was. Then he says, he's, he's stopped my eyes from tears and my feet from falling. And so he promises, again, three things in one verse. There's, there's multiple verses in, in uh, Psalm 116 where three things are listed. Three's over and over, three, three things. And so in this verse it does. He mentions that God delivers all that for them. And then uh, verse 9 says, I will, I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. And on that verse, I kind of took it two ways. Obviously, he's going to walk before the Lord. He's going to follow the Lord. But also, we're, we're going to find this out a little bit later. We're to publicly let people see that we're trusting in the Lord. And that doesn't mean we go shout everything or tell everything about what. But, you know, I'm supposed to tell you when God does a great thing for me. Why? It will increase your faith, and then when you tell me stuff, it's going to increase my faith. When I see God deliver you out of stuff, uh, or answer a prayer, you know, we've got this, this, this prayer list back there 
Um, you know, I grabbed one tonight as I came in. Laura types them up every week, and Teresa helps get make sure we got everything. But these are these are important because they're updated regular, and there's a lot of you know. I mean, look at it. This is the missionaries on the back, and then on the inside, there's never I've never seen this shorten it. But that doesn't mean no the prayer's not being answered. One prayer gets answered, a new one gets stuck in there, right? And if you looked at this one tonight, uh, under praying for pastor and his family, it mentions that he's in Dubai, he has coronavirus, he has double pneumonia. We need to know the update on some of that stuff, you know, know to pay attention to that. But grab one, they're in the, when you, you know, when you leave, they're in the foyer there. And if you have a prayer request, call it into the office or, you know, email it to us and stuff. But we can pray for those things. But the writer here says, I'm going to walk before the Lord in the land of the living. And then verse 10, it says, I believe, therefore have I spoken. I was greatly afflicted. So he believed, but he says, I was greatly afflicted. And then verse 11 says, I said in my haste, all men are liars. In other words, whatever he dealt with had something to do with other men or people lying about him. You know, he's saying all men are liars. So what is, who's the only one that's not a liar? God. God's the only one that's never not told a lie, you know, or never told a lie, never told a lie, sorry. Double negative there, I'm going to say he did tell a lie. Uh, so, but um, but he, never, he never lies. And see, we don't always lie intentionally. We have good intentions sometimes when we make promises or we tell people stuff, but sometimes things get in the way. Well, you know, have great intentions to make that happen, but things get in the way. But with God, that's never the case. He's fulfilled tons of Old Testament prophecy, and he will continue to do so. You know, think about, the, think about all the believers in the Old Testament that looked for the Messiah to come. See, we get the pleasure of looking back and knowing the Messiah's already come, and now we look forward to his second coming, or to when we go to heaven. We look forward to that, and so that's exciting. All right, let's go to our third and last point tonight, and that's devotion. Devotion. As the, as the writer has gone through his distress, and he's been delivered out of his stress, now he's going to do what everybody needs to do when God delivers them, and that means they need to praise him. And we need to praise him daily, by the way. If we praise him daily and we thank him for what we have, you know, you ever seen that little thing that people always post that says, uh, what if all you had today was what you thanked him for yesterday? Have you ever seen that one? Every time that comes up in my feed, I think about it, because I think, you know, I really didn't thank God for a lot that happened to me yesterday. And so, you know, there's some days we'd have nothing because we didn't thank God for anything the day before, you know. Uh, but you think about being in a thankful state of mind. Um, verse 12, let's go ahead and go right under this, under devotion. It says, What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? Let, let me say that in a different phrase. How will I ever repay God for all he's done for me? Can we repay God? No, we can do all the good works we want. We're not going to repay him. But you know what? He doesn't want us to be repaid. He doesn't want to be repaid, I mean. He just wants us to turn to him for salvation and then trust him and be thankful for what we have. We're never going to be able to repay him. I could do good works the rest of my life. It's not going to repay for my sin debt. It's not going to repay for what I've done wrong. But if, aren't you thankful for Ephesians 2, 8, and 9? Not of works, lest any man should boast. It's a free gift of God. It's by grace. Salvation through uh, faith and grace. And it says here, um, you can't. And then he says in verse 13, I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. Uh, you know, salvation is a free gift, but we do have to take it, don't we? It's a free gift to everybody in this world, all 7 billion people. But some people aren't going to go to heaven because they won't, they're too stubborn to realize they're a sinner. 
They're too stubborn to, stubborn to realize they need a savior. And they're, and they're too, you know, even people that actually believe there's a God, they're not going to go to heaven unless they've trusted personally in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You could, you could have head knowledge to know different facts, and you could say, well, I, I, yeah, in my head I kind of believe there's a God. But if you haven't trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you're not saved. But he says, I'm gonna, the writer said in verse 13, I'm going to take the cup of salvation. Then he says, I'm going to call upon the name of the Lord. What good is it if we get saved and we never talk to God? I don't know about you, but if I'm honest, there are certain days where I do not talk to God. Now, I may quickly pray for my meal, or I may quickly pray for this or that, but I really, really don't talk to him. You know, imagine if I went home tonight, and I didn't say a word to my wife. Well, first of all, she'd probably be happy. <laughs> she'd be like, woo, finally, peace and quiet. Theo, stop talking. But, you know, but let's say I didn't say anything to her all night. What is she going to think? Something's wrong with me? I'm mad at her, so on. By the way, she can give the silent treatment way better than I can. If I ever tell her to be quiet, it could be days. I might not hear from her for days, and, and just because she can win that game. You know, it's like, you ever had a staring contest with somebody, and you can't, you can't keep your eyes open any longer, you blink? That's me with the silent game. I will break on the silent game for sure. But, you know, the writer says, I'm going to call upon the name of the Lord. If I'm going to take the cup of salvation, I'm going to call upon the name of the Lord. And you know what? It's like having a, it's like having a, um, having just a great tool there and we're not using it, you know, as believers. Because what do we want to do? We want to try to solve the problem first by ourselves, and then if we need God, we'll call him in. Don't leave God sitting on the bench. I, I spent a lot of time as a kid as a bench warmer. I love sports, but I really wasn't any good at them. So in Little League, I, Little League, I pretty much, I sat on the bench. I got to play some. One year I got to pitch for a whole, we had such a, I'm going to say it, we had such a horrible team, I was the starting pitcher. And I could pitch really fast, but I had no control. So I was plunking batters, I was throwing a ball, I walked more batters than ever. They tried everybody on the team as pitcher. Nobody could do it, so they just had me do it. And then when I got tired and my arm couldn't throw anymore, they'd put, bring a couple kids in to relieve me, but we lost every game that season. But you know what? We had a good time doing it. <laughs> but, but, you know, I was, a, I was a bench warmer. But, you know, don't leave God on the bench. Bring him into every play in your life. And make sure you, you know, I've learned this over the years. I would only bring God in when it was something big. That is the stupidest thing I could ever do in my life. Bring him in when it's tiny and it will never get big. In fact, bring him in before you even, you know, if you foresee the problem, bring him in right at the start. You never had somebody help you and said, I wish you'd asked me for help three weeks ago. You know, if you'd have helped me, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be doing all this, you know, uh, you know help. But don't, don't let God sit on the bench. Call upon him. Use him. Then verse 14, it says, in fact, verse 14 and 18, it's going to use a phrase here, in the presence of all his people. And I want you to see this here. In verse 14, it says, I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Uh, I'm going back to, to, we mentioned verse 9, where he says, I'm going to walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I think too often we're quiet when we're around everybody in the church. We won't tell people what things, are, you know, if I, if I set up, okay, if I set up a microphone, if I had the sound guys set up a microphone down here, and I said, okay, who has praises? I want you to come down and say to the microphone. You know what? Some people, just for fear of public speaking, they won't come up. It doesn't mean they don't have praises. They're just not going to speak in front of the microphone. But, you know, the Bible does say in many places that we need to tell people out loud what God's done for us. You know, every Saturday we have 
virtually on Zoom, we have a men's prayer uh, meeting every Saturday, 9 o'clock. All men, you're welcome to join. Just talk to me or Mike. Mike runs the thing, so talk to him. He'll give you the codes. But, you know, some men can get on some Saturdays. Some can get on others because of work and different things. But you know what we always do? We start, first thing Michael asks everybody is say, hey, who has a praise this week? What has God done for you? And it might be small things, you know, and maybe at first there's silence. Carl knows we're on there. Sometimes they'll say, any praises? And sometimes it'll just be quiet. So Mike's like going, well, okay, I have a praise, and Michael tell a praise. But, you know, as soon as one person goes, it's like always. One person goes, and then all of a sudden, hey, this person thinks of something, and they go. And you know what? We all get encouraged by either each other's praises. And then, after that, Mike says, who has a prayer request? And then we go into start going into prayer requests. But a lot of times we're silent about our prayer requests. But you know what? I don't know about you. Don't you like to pray for somebody that needs it? They ask you to pray. Oh, man, I want to pray for them. You know, I want to. And in fact, when they ask me, I usually pray right then because I'll forget. I'm like you. We got a lot of stuff going on. So I try to pray right away. And then as it comes to my mind, I try to pray for them. But then when we have praises, we got to share with people. But the writer says in verse 14, I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. You know, when you first get saved, you know, we all know that baptism doesn't save you, right? We all know that. Why do we go, why do we get baptized? It's a public profession of our faith so that you can see, now I'm accountable to you. Once I've accepted the Lord and then I get in the baptismal dunk, tank and I get dunked, then I'm accountable to you now. Um, because you say, Theo, I saw you, you claimed you're saved, you got baptized in there, you said you were going to live for God, but you know what? You've missed the last four, four church services. Where have you been? And I get it right now. People are watching online because you know, they're trying to stay safe. That's fine. I'm just saying, you, you know, but, or hey, Theo, you know, I, I, I saw you doing this. You shouldn't be doing that. You know, but the truth is, we need, in the presence of all the people, we need, there's times we need to speak up and tell people how great God is. Sometimes that could be one-on-one soul winning to somebody or one-on-one discipling somebody. Or it could be in the congregation when we have the, you know, uh, thank, I get the privilege sometimes to speak. So when I speak, you're going to hear all kinds of things. Of course, you know that. But I mean, I'm going to praise God at some point during that. And I'm going to tell people what God's done in my life. It's important. And so why? So people see that. And, and you know, we already see, like, at my age, now I see much younger people that are taking over the work. And I'm glad for that. I'm glad because we need young blood, right? We need it. Uh, whether it's kids, whether it's teenagers, whether it's young adults, but we, we see that. But see, we, you guys all know that if you train kids or grandkids, they have to see you do it. If I want my kids to be praying, they got to see me pray. If I, want, if, I, they want, if I want to see my kids be soul winners, they got to see me soul win sometimes. If I want my kids to be thankful, I have, they have to see me being thankful. And so the same thing's true in the church. See, as church members, we can encourage one another to say, hey, this is... This is what God's done in my life. This is what God's delivered me from. You know, um, I had somebody this week, I was talking about the, the, the accountability. Somebody this week pulled up their phone, pulled up their work schedule, showed me that they, they haven't been in church for a little while, showed me that they were off Sunday, and they said, the reason I'm showing you that I'm off Sunday is I want to be, I want to be accountable to you. If I don't come to church this Sunday, I want you to, to talk to me. And I thought, that's a pretty neat thing to do. He's, he's showing me his work schedule so that I know that he should, needs to be here. And so, you know what I'm going to do? Saturday, I'm going to send him a reminder. Say, hey, man, remember? 
You said you're going to be here. Tomorrow's services are at 9, 10.30. And you know what? If he comes, great. I'll rejoice with him. If he doesn't come, I'm not going to be hard on him, but I'm going to say, hey, man, you blew it. You missed it. You know, God blessed you and let you have that Sunday off. You, you needed to be here because God's going to make you work every Sunday if you're not going to show up. You know? And it's just one idea, but I thought I was pretty impressed by that. I liked that he did that. I thought that takes a lot of courage. Because now he's accountable to, I know he's not working, you know, but, um, but we do that. And then in verse 15, and we'll get to verse 18 in a minute, but in verse 15 it says, this verse, you've heard this quoted before, I'm sure, at funerals. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Have we had a lot of people go home to the Lord lately in this church? Sure we have. We've had a great, some great saints go home to be with the Lord over, well, over multiple years, but really lately we've had a lot of them. Uh, because we do have a lot of older people in our church, so obviously many have gone home. We've had several go home recently that are in their 90s. Uh, you know, and it's just, God, but, but it says here that when our death, the death of us, to God, that's precious. Now think about it. He's not happy we're dying, okay? But he's happy because as a Christian, you, he knows you're going to get your, you, you know, he's going to make sure he's prepared a place for you. He's going to make sure you get that glorified body. The Holy Spirit has sealed you till the day of redemption, so, you know, he's, he's, it's precious to him that your earthly life means something to him. Your earthly body means something to him. In fact, that is, at his second coming, he's going to resurrect the old bodies. I don't know what all that entails and what's going to happen there. I know we're getting a new glorified body, but it's important to God. And he says precious is for every saint, not just, not just one, but all. Then verse 16 says, um, O Lord, truly I am thy servant, I am thy servant, and the son of thine handmaid, thou hast loosed my bonds. You know, you think about being in bondage where, you know, you ever owed a big debt and thought, I'm never going to get out of this debt? When we, um, when we had Mark, we had planned for a normal birth. I didn't have health insurance, but I had the birth all paid up. Everything was ready to go. When my wife went into labor, we went in the hospital, we had an unplanned C-section. Any of you that have had a C-section, you know what that does to the cost of the delivery. I mean, it just shoots it through the roof. I remember getting those hospital bills, no insurance, just thinking, well, first of all, they were dumb enough to, to, to do the services before I paid for them. Uh, but second of all, I'm thinking, I'm never going to pay this off. You know what God did? Shortly after that, Mark was only a few years old, God moved us to Hawaii with the company I was with, and I got free rent. So you know what I did with all the free rent? I, I took that money and I paid off those medical bills. By the time we left Hawaii and came back here, all my medical bills were paid off. God found a way to provide it without me. I would have never, ever seen that coming, ever in a million years. But the company I worked for said, hey, we want you to go over to Hawaii for about, it was just short, they said two years, it was just short of two years. But that whole two years, I had no rent. I got my full salary, no rent. I just had to pay for my food and my utilities. Actually, you know what? I don't think we paid for utilities because the apartments, I, th I think they did that too. So what a blessing. I just paid it on, paid it on them, those medical bills. I was able to, my wife and I were able to pay every one of those off. That's a miracle of God. That's a miracle of God now. Um, you know, with Eric, we knew it was going to be a, a C-section and we had insurance and we were ready for it. You know, but God will get us through all that stuff. And then he says, thou hast loosed my bonds. That's a, that's a financial bond. But God's loosed our bonds spiritually. He's loosed our bonds physically. He's all that, emotionally. God's done all that. And then look what the writer says in verse 17. 
We're calling this message tonight a psalm of praise. He says, I will offer thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. So not only are you going to call upon the Lord when you're in distress, but you're going to thank, thank him for stuff. See, I don't know about you, but when you do something for somebody, I don't want to be repaid, but it is nice to hear thank you, right? And a lot of people, most of our, most people don't, aren't good at writing a thank you card, but at least say verbally thank you, text a thank you, whatever. Make sure the person knows that you're thankful for whatever it was that they did for you. But same thing with God. We've got to let them know we're thankful for what we have. And then in verse 18, this is, it says, I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Again, back in verse 14, it says the same thing. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. And so why would he say the same thing twice in the same psalm that's only 19 verses long? You know what it means? It's important. We've all heard this. When God repeats something in the scripture, it's important to him. So when I pay my vows on the Lord now in the presence of all his people, see, that's accountability for, for, for things we're for living for the Lord. But it's also, uh, the Bible says we're supposed to exhort one another as Christians. Exhort means to build people up. How do you build them up? You tell them the great things God's done for you. You know, and you know what? You can really help another believer that's, that's been through the exact same thing you've been through. You ever see how God brings people like that in your life? He's gotten you through something. There's several people in this room that have had cancer. You know what? They can help somebody that's going through cancer. I, I can't because I've never had cancer. Now, I can be pray for them. I can lift them up before the Lord. But I can't honestly say I know what they're going through. You know, I can't do that. Um, you know, um, but there's things, if you were an alcoholic and God delivered you from that, you can help other, help other people or an addiction to drugs. If you've, if God's helped you conquer that, you have a unique ability to help other people that go, that are going through that. I can't do that. You know, thankfully, praise God. Uh, I drank alcohol when I was younger and, but I, I, God just woke me up and said, it's don't mess with that stuff. My dad was an alcoholic. That was part of the reason he died. My sister was an alcoholic. She died before she was 50 because her liver was shot. But God delivered me you know, from, I never was an alcoholic, but God delivered me from alcohol because I saw what they, my family members went through. Uh, drug addiction, that kind of stuff. But you all have been through stuff I haven't been through, and you can help people that are going through that. I can help people that are gone through, sorry about the mic, guys. I can help people that, I can help people that are going through things that I've been through. Now, I can pray for everybody, and I can try to meet certain needs for everybody. But I can't, I don't, I can't, if I don't honestly know what somebody's going through, through, I might not know the needs that they have, you know, through that. And then, so again, um, I'll pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all the people. Why? So that they can be encouraged. That's the whole point. Don't you like leaving? Uh, 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 one of the reasons I like coming to church is I'm around other believers. And they can encourage me. And I, and I walk out just feeling refreshed, even though it's Wednesday night, let's face it. It's the middle of the week, everybody's tired. Some of you worked long shifts at different jobs and things, a lot going on. But, but spiritually, you can leave here refreshed. Now, whatever I say from the Bible, that's not going to help you at all physically. If you only got three hours of sleep last night and you're going to get three hours tonight, guess what? You're going to be physically tired. But we can leave church spiritually um, refreshed. Uh, I call it my midweek refueling. You know, I got, I, got a, I got a message from Mike on Sunday. That helped me. Then tonight, we hear from the Word of God, whoever's speaking. 
That gets us through to the, to the next time. It encourages us to be around other believers, exhort one another. Uh, that's why God was so clear in Hebrews when he said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Why? God knew how important it was to worship with other believers. We can worship them at home. We can worship them by ourselves. We can worship them by our car. We can worship with them anywhere we are. But God says, that's great, but don't forget to worship corporately. Don't forget to come together and worship so you can encourage one another. And then lastly here in verse, uh, so, so 17 mentioned Thanksgiving. Now in verse 19, it says, in the courts of the Lord's house, that's where we're at right now, right? In the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of the old Jerusalem, what does it say there? Praise ye the Lord. Praise. Just tell him praise about your God. Tell him praise about your Savior. And, you know, when you get the opportunity to do that, whether, again, whether it's one-on-one or whether it's in a group of people, take the opportunity. You know, I've kind of, one of the things I've tried to make myself do, I can't say I've done it 100%, but almost every time I go to a funeral, if there's a place to say something about the person, if I'm already at the funeral, and I obviously am here for a reason, I have something good I can say about that person's life, and usually it pertains to their life in Christ. You know, usually it's something great that I saw Christ do in their, you know, when Les Ewers passed away, He's one of the greatest soul winners I ever knew. He passed out more tracks than I ever have in my lifetime. And, and he was always concerned about other people. And so, and, and you know what? The Libbies that just passed, they were that way too. Always tracks, 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 always witnessing. You know what? I witness when I purpose it in my heart and when I want to, when it's convenient for me. And that's not the way we're supposed to do it. We're supposed to do it all the time, every time. But we don't all do it. We all, we all, for whatever reason, you're busy, you're in a hurry. But you know what? I don't care how much of a hurry you're in, how long does it take to set a track on the table or to hand it to the person at the drive-thru or to put it in your, your, well, most of us don't mail our bills anymore, but if you did, you could put a track in there, you know, to the bill. They send you a ton of junk in your envelope, send it back to them with a track in there, you know. But we all got to be a witness for God. But the two things I want you to take out of this psalm is first of all, the writer went through great distress and God delivered him. But you know what? The writer was very careful to thank God and to praise him. So make sure we do that. Make sure we thank him and we praise him for all that he's going to, because you know, he got you through today. I don't know what your day was like today, but God got you through it. You're here tonight. So God got you through it. Now it might've been a roughest day or you may have had, you may have had a beautiful day. I don't know. But, but, but you know, there's tomorrow. It's a new day tomorrow. We could start over. You know, poor Teresa, she answers so many phone calls here. I mean, you never know what's on the end of that phone, do you, Teresa? It could be good, bad, sad, mad. I don't know what's going to come through that phone. In fact, it's so much so, I'm telling Teresa, don't leave. I'm not, I don't want to have to pick up that phone. You, you take it. You know, by, if I get a call, it means she's already screened it. She's, she screens me. She keeps salesmen away from me. She keeps um, anybody that she knows, I, I, you know, if I can't talk to them at that exact time. She's great at that. And she does that not just for me, but for multiple staff people. But, you know, she has to answer every phone call. She doesn't get to pick and choose. And if she doesn't answer it, they're going to leave it on the voicemail anyway. She has to call them back. So it's no But, you know, we just, have to, we just have to make sure we thank God and we praise him. You know, we don't want to, we don't want to just take his love and his, what he's done for us for granted. And, again, just encouraging one another in the Lord. And that's what, you know, the book of Psalms is all like, and I don't have it in my notes, but, Look at Psalm 117. It's like right at, it's kind of around the midpoint of the Bible. It's only two verses, but look what it says. Psalm 117 says, Oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise him, all ye people. 
for his merciful kindness is great towards us, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. And then again, it says the same thing that the last psalm ended with, praise ye the Lord. Well, hopefully something I said tonight out of the Word of God was an encouragement to you. Uh, Let's close here in a word of prayer, and then we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, we praise you for this psalm. And, And Lord, we don't know the writer, but we know you delivered him. Why? Because he wrote this psalm of great praise unto you. And Lord, we're thankful that you delivered that person, but we're also thankful that we get to um, call upon your name. Many times in this psalm, it mentions calling upon God, calling upon you. And Lord, help us to be thankful and grateful. And Lord, help us to praise you always to all people, even when it's not convenient for us. Help us to do that and to be a good witness and a testimony. I, again, I lift up our pastor for you. I thank you that he's doing well under the circumstance, but help him, encourage him in the hospital tonight. Uh, Lord, actually, it's tomorrow morning there, so uh, Lord, just be with him this t- through, the, through the, his day-to-day. And Lord, help him to continue to get better and strengthen him so that he can return back to, to home. And then, Lord, for the other prayer requests that we mentioned, we pray you meet each need. And for all the ones that these people in this auditorium probably have, they probably have many unspoken requests and requests. Lord, I pray that they would call out unto you. And Lord, we know you will answer and we know you will deliver. We just praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, good night.